0: So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts
1: right now. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Digital Kill the Radio Star. Yes, we're still in business. I've had a couple of people ask me, will we ever see another one again? Well, you are, and you're going to see four here pretty much in a row pretty quick uh we got a special little series going on but uh my buddy chris is here i haven't seen him in a couple of months how are you
2: doing well how have you been
1: you don't look any better but it's okay
2: yeah and actually the funny thing is you do <laughs>
1: <laughs> a, few pounds, a few pounds lighter from the last time you saw me. yeah
2: yeah D- david's becoming uh on his way to becoming half the man he was it was i mean it's uh
1: twice the sexy though
2: oh absolutely
1: I mean, when I walk in the house, I'm bringing sexy back automatically. Start. I don't even have to tell, uh, tell it to. It just does it. It senses it.
2: I mean, you must be fighting that wife off
1: constantly. I mean, I as mean, it's, hot it's, it's, it's as you are now, I'm the women's pet and the men's regret, my friend. <laughs> oh you. man. Uh. Anyway, enough about uh. Enough about that. Um. Let's see here. I went and saw the Cure opening night in New Orleans. Phenomenal show. Played 29 songs. Played five off the as of yet to be released album. And, uh, if they sounded like anything, they sounded like disintegration.
2: So I've heard it was going to be that way, that that's, that's the sound they were going for.
1: But, uh, one of the songs is about his brother that apparently died recently. And, uh, he got kind of choked up with that man. Other than that, they, uh, they went deep into their catalog. They played a couple of songs, one song, a uh, thousand years. They haven't played in over 30 years. And it was clear they hadn't at one point at the beginning. I think they got lost and they had to turn around to the drummer and and, and go back in. But twenty-nine songs, sixty dollars for my ticket. I set essentially the same place that you and I set for Springsteen. And Springsteen was over four hundred. Here's the other deal T shirts, twenty five dollars. And he played they played for two hours and forty five minutes.
2: And again, there you go. Could compare him to Springsteen. They Springsteen as well played for about two forty five and shirts were fifty bucks. And you know the other yeah. funny thing is, you wouldn't have um, and we'll we'll dive into this here in a few minutes, but you went in as a I mean, we can say not a Springsteen fan at all going into that show, just respect, but not a fan. And so you probably weren't interested in the shirt anyway. I can tell you right now, I went in. And it's like okay, I might get one, but fifty bucks, and they were they weren't good, right? They were not good shirts. It's so disappointing. You know, here's another thing: if you're gonna get a, if you're gonna sell me a a shirt that expensive, can you not sell me a a, a good quality shirt? You know the the athletic fit, the soft blend. Don't sell me the the boxy shirt that costs you three four bucks to mass produce and you're gonna sell it to me for 50 bucks like come on man but anyway
1: and I, I would argue in most parts of the world maybe not America they're as big as Springsteen like in Europe and stuff like that
2: well you know it's it's, it's funny that they did so well in uh here you know the way that that shows sold out like that everywhere across the country yeah, did you
1: I, notice did you notice they're all in arenas yeah I did. So, Kate, and I know you're listening. I still haven't seen my hundred bucks. <clears throat>
2: I, you know, I was, I, I'm not. I was surprised they were arenas. I was just surprised that they sold out so quick. But I think part of the reason they sold out was the prices.
1: Well, and they haven't been here since 16.
2: Well, that helps. But if they had have had tickets that were, you know, that what's that Ticketmaster screw you over thing they have now? What is that called?
1: Dynamic pricing.
2: Yeah, if they had had Ticketmaster dynamic pricing, that would have changed the game. I mean there there might still be tickets available right now.
1: Yeah, he wouldn't let them do that. And you he's know what? And then years. they and then they gouged people on the fees and he got everybody a ten dollar refund for every ticket. You uh when he says he's against corporate greed, he's not one of these ones that's lip service.
2: Yeah, you know the funny thing is when, and, and you and I've talked about this before, but I look at I look at bands when I go I'm trying to think of some examples. Um I guess the most recent show I saw was was uh, Clutch and Amigo the Devil. And they're charging, I think, 30, $35 a shirt. And that's so that's so understandable to me. When you think about all the time off from touring uh, that with when when COVID just stopped touring completely. And then you start to tour and your shows are constantly getting canceled because of COVID. And now you've got inflation through the roof. It's like, man, I, I get it. I, I, and that doesn't bother me one bit. But it did feel I don't know. It it just didn't feel right that Springsteen was charging $50 a share. It just didn't. And, and the prices for those those seats. yeah. Anyway, we've talked about this before. You know, you, you think about the car wash working at the car wash in the factory your entire career and yeah, it ain't the life you're living, man.
1: But I felt like I got my money's worth. Yeah, I mean,
2: he puts on a great show, he does. Um, what a
1: it's better what, than seeing Megadeth and they played for 50 minutes. It's true. It's um, true. I was gonna say, Gaslight Anthem has put out a new single, you and I differ a little bit on it. Um, yeah, it's bad. I think, it's, I just I think it's don't, amazing. I just, his voice sounds like a solo album and I need it to sound like a gaslight album. And maybe one of those things, his voice has just changed and this is where he's going to be.
2: Maybe so. I don't know, but I, I love the song. I think it's great. It's and not
1: bad. I'd give it a seven out of 10. Anything about six gonna, is good.
2: I was going to go to the show, um, tonight in Nashville. It's all found out it was mother's day. I was going to go. They are playing, they're, they're playing the Ryman and I was going to definitely, I was, Definitely making that trip, and then I found out oh, it's mother Day. I can't do that. And yeah, my I was with my parents till my family till about five thirty-six. So it wasn't going to be a way to get over there in time. But um, but no, I think the song's great. Um, looking forward to an album. And honestly, on that one, um, what about albums? Anything, anything
1: hitting you lately? No, because I haven't listened to anything other than Bruce Springsteen. Okay. okay. We'll get to that in a minute. Here's the the thing that Spotify does. So you can go to this website and I'm sure it's just so they can get your information and and get, you know, what you're listening to since February the 18th. That's the day we saw the boss to last week. I have listened to Bruce Springsteen more than I have any other artist in the seven years that I've had Spotify. So, my Urian thing, it's, I'm number one. If I'm not number one, I need to see who number two is for listening to him. Completely, utterly obsessed. Like, <laughs> like I'm about to make a statement that you thought you would never hear. They're tied, he's tied with the Black Crows.
2: Well, it goes back to what I said in that text the other day. It's like, man, it, the Crows, that's your, that's your long-time girl. They're your best girl. And mm-hmm. here comes this new, this new hot girl in a little miniskirt.
1: Got a side piece. <laughs> feel like but, you're cheating on here's, here's what's funny. It was a bunch of us that, that listened to State of America and went down to the uh, Moon Crush Festival in Florida for four days. And, like, we had this, man, dude, we had a house, a fat house. And it had a stereo system and a TV out back by the pool. And I always, you know, I'm always an early riser. And so I'm out there laying out by the pool at like 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm watching Springsteen and London videos. And then every time we'd get in my car, it was on the E Street channel. And then like everybody, whenever anybody was like, what do y'all want to listen to? And I'm like, the river. And they're like, <laughs> dude, you've got it bad. And I'm like, yeah, and.
2: Yeah, it, that that's funny the way that goes. Um,
1: it actually, though, I'll be honest with you, and you're going to hate me for saying this. It makes me have a lot less respect for Brian Fallon after getting into it the way I have, like he, he's literally, and don't get me wrong. He's a great songwriter. He's a nice guy. I love Gaslight Anthem. I'll buy everything they put out. And he is honestly one of my favorite songwriters, man. it It's, it's not even remotely hiding it. Dropping the women's names and everything. Well, we, all... we,
2: there's Yeah. There's just certain things you didn't pick up on. You go back to when you Aaron and I did that podcast almost a year ago on the 59 sound and Aaron and I were telling you constantly the, the name drops, all the, the Springsteen references, but it's just stuff you didn't pick up on, but I love Springsteen and I love Fallon and it's never bothered me it, because yeah, you hear the influence big time and I'm not going to d- dispute that, but it's not like Greta Van Fleet and Led Zeppelin. You know, vocally he doesn't try to emulate Springsteen No not at all. Um they they definitely have at least somewhat they at least started out. They may not be there now but they at least started out as a punk band. There's nothing punk about Springsteen. Funkish. So there's I mean you listen to the first record. It it, it okay, it it's not
1: Minor Threat.
2: Exactly. It, it, it's it's not the Sex Pistols. It's not Agnostic Front it's not any of these bands, but it it's punk. It's just not, it may just about to be a hardcore punk band.
1: And, and how about, go
2: ahead. I just to say there it's yes. He's very influenced by, it, but in the same way too, it, it's much, much stronger. But I think so many of those guys that I love, they just, they, especially in the Northeast, the guys like Brock, like like uh, Dave Hawks, who we've had on the show before, just put out a, uh, an amazing new record, by the way. Northeast guy, Philadelphia, big time Springsteen fan. He, when we interviewed him, he was talking about having Gary Talent play on his record. Um, I
1: think Gary that's all du- I- Gary Gary W. Talent.
2: Yes, yes, indeed. I'm glad. I'm glad. You, I'm glad you got it right.
1: So, speaking, this isn't new music, but another thing you've got me listening to here lately is um, Punk. and um, I bought the first two. Clash albums. I really like them. I actually don't really like London Calling. Um, and then I got the second Ramones album, Rocket to Russia. I got the Adolescence first album. And then I bought Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell, Social D.
2: The Adolescence is the one I told you that really surprises me. Because the Clash, I think for what what you're into, the, the type of stuff that you're into, I think that that the Clash isn't, it's not, it's not extreme. It's okay. It doesn't sound exact the same, but is it a stretch over, is it any more extreme like on the punk level than listening to the Gaslight Anthem? Absolutely not.
1: Or the replacements.
2: Exactly. And to a large degree, the Ramones aren't any either. The Ramones are the Beach Boys sped up. I mean, seriously. It, it's uh, it's the same type vibe. It's fifties type, fifties, sixties type music sped up. And, um, and then Social Distortion, you know, rockabilly, punk, with a, with uh, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. But Adolescence, it's just straight-up punk. And uh, that one, that surprised me that of all the records you could buy, that's the one you bought.
1: Yeah, well, I was at this great record store in Fort, Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and they had a – you would have been – I mean, I know you're not a vinyl guy, but you would have been impressed with the punk music they had. And, um, yeah, so getting into that a little bit when I'm, you know – the one hour a day, I'm not listening to the balls. Well, what, we'll tell you what another, new music? What new music have you been listening to?
2: Well, uh, so uh, I told you, uh, Dave Hawes has a great one out called "Drive It Like You Stole It." Um, really good record. Um, Country western. So we've also had on this podcast put out another record, and I'll tell you, it's a little less. So you know that first record was it? It had a lot of Americana. Let's call it Americana. Like, say, but let's
1: just go with Uncle Tupelo. Style. Americana meets garage rock.
2: Yeah. And so let America let's call it like Uncle Tupelo meets Sonic Youth, meets Dinosaur Jr. meets the replacements type sound. And on this one, they go a little bit more into that, that uh 80s punkish type. Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Junior, having a little bit more of that and a little less of the Americana sound, but uh, really good. I was fortunate enough to see them in a tiny, tiny little place in Memphis uh, a couple weeks ago. And then that's really about it. There hasn't been a lot of new stuff that I've I've gotten into. Um, when I'm looking at the stuff. I've
1: been I may not have a top 10 this year.
2: It, it's gonna right now it's not it's not looking good. Can it, can
1: let it can uh, letters to you be considered an e-release?
2: Well, if we're doing that, your whole top ten would left the Springsteen, your whole top ten will be Springsteen. But okay, um No, I mean it's those two records. Uh, I did really like the uh the new Bouncing Souls record, ten stories high, another Northeast punkish band. And the new Lucero record is Best thing they've done in a while should have learned by now, and that was a really cool show I saw too because we talked about before on here Fernando's Hideaway legendary, legendary honky tonk that, that Jerry Lee Lewis used to call it. His, his, he referred to it as his office. Elvis played there. Uh, all the Memphis guys seem like played through this place, and Del Watson, touring country musician, really good, really nice guy. He owns it now, is selling it, but still he owns it, and um. Lucero, the day that album came out, the new record, they played it. And this is a small place, 500 max. And they played that album beginning to end and then just played a whole bunch of other songs, played for probably good two hours. That was a cool show. But no, I really don't have anything else. It's been very, very slow as far as new music. But I'll segue to new music as far as stuff that I'm looking forward to. Uh, we've talked about on here before Butch Walker. And Butch Walker, if you've never listened to him, singer-songwriter, um, a lot of his stuff, his early stuff is, I don't know, it's power pop, I guess you would call it. Now it's, and he's done some stuff that's been more, I'd say with him, you've had stuff that's in his solo career, power pop, you've had stuff that's rock in the way that Petty's rock and then you've got singer-songwriter stuff like uh, say a ryan adams that's what he's been doing and very respected guy if you don't know who he is look him up he he has he's probably got one of the the most well-known names in the music business just because he uh he's produced a ton of hit records he's written a ton of hit songs but, I mean, the guy's a major, major player in the music industry. But as far as his career, his, his actual music, it's never really quite taken off, but incredible, incredible artists. Well, Buddy and I, we were really in this band in late 90s, early 2000s, called The Marvelous Three. And um, they uh, – three guys from the Atlanta, Georgia area, been very close since the high school years. And now here they are, guys. I would imagine they're in their fifties now, and all still close. And they announced that they uh, they have an album in the can, ready to go. And they're doing, uh, I think it's October. They're doing three three reunion shows at the Tabernacle in Atlanta, all sold out. And it's going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That I'm looking forward to. Um, uh, there's no. He said there's going to be several big guests coming on stage. And as I said, this guy is connected to everybody in the music industry so that I've got, I've got tickets to one of the shows. I've got the Saturday. I want to get the opening show as well, but really looking forward to that. That was really big news.
1: All right, Chris, <clears throat> February 18th, 2023. You, me, everybody buddy Clark and Kate and make a road trip up to Kansas city. And you guys had asked me to go see Springsteen with you. And you've been trying to get me into him for 15 years. And for whatever reason, it just didn't click. And so I said, I'll go with you guys. So we go to Kansas City, have a good time. I walked out of that show going, I'm an idiot. I've wasted a lot of good years and a lot of good tours not going to see this guy. And so we listened to him some on the way home. And then once I got back home, I started buying his vinyl. And I started with Born to Run. And then darkness, and then the river, and Nebraska, and then Born in USA, and then Tunnel of Love, and then Ghost of Tom Jode, and goes on and on and on, just buying all this vinyl. And I started listening to the E Street channel, and I subscribed to Nugs, where I can listen to all his old shows and his new shows. I bought his book. I just got the book about Nebraska, completely enthralled in all things Springsteen to the level that's probably unhealthy, if we're being honest here. And so since Chris is a big fan and I'm like totally into him, I said, let's do a four part series. Three of the shows we have mapped out the fourth one we're going to have to work on. So my idea was Springsteen has been so prolific, not only in the stuff that he's released, but the stuff he hasn't released, he's been even more prolific. So we decided to take, the first album, Greetings from Asbury Park, and go through Nebraska. And we'll call that his early years because things changed after Nebraska. And he had about 10 or 12 years there where things were definitely changed again. And then he came roaring back with The Rising in 2002. And so we're going to do after 2002 as well. But what we're going to do is we're going to pick from these eras the perfect double album in our mind. And then we're going to pick five B tracks, bonus songs, unreleased songs, whatever you want to call them, because he has put out an album called The Promise, tracks, and the ties that bind that are all unreleased or reworked songs. Like we're talking probably close to 70 or 80 songs between those three. And then I was listening today to a Springsteen podcast. Apparently there's a whole lot more. So anyway, Chris, like we talked earlier We'll split this up. You do five. I do five. And I'm going to keep tally of how many we have in common. So you just get home. You've bought your boss volume one greatest hits the early years. In your case, you put the CD in. In my case, I dropped the needle. What's the first song that we hear?
2: Okay. So you're on me. Okay. We're starting a little bit different than I thought. You want me to name like what's my, basically, what's my number one song?
1: No. no all right. just Just pick a song.
2: Uh, you know what I'm gonna say this. Uh, okay, you say let's put it this way because I'm torn on my favorite one so here's I, one I, I
1: don't I don't have a favorite one that I've listed.
2: I'm gonna start with put the needle down and I feel like you're introducing somebody to Springsteen. I'm putting on the best because if we're listening to the best stuff, let's just say that I'm listening to David who's not really I've been trying to get into Springsteen and we'll go back several years. What's the first song? Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Thunder Road. I'm going to start big. I think that is probably the quintessential Springsteen song. And and I realize Born to Run might be – he set out to write, and he said it. He says it in the – you read about it in the book, and he he set out to write the perfect rock song, the greatest rock song. And, damn it, he might have pulled it off. But – I would and I I love that song. Spoiler alert, it will make my list. I mean there's no doubt about it. But Thunder Road I just think is absolute Springsteen perfection.
1: And I think it's the one that people that grew up in that generation have the closest affinity to. Yeah, uh, like, you know, you, when I when I saw, you know, when he played, you know, he did the whole thing. Or the crowd saying maybe you ain't that young anymore. And this one seemed honestly to connect with the fans more than Born to Run did.
2: And it does. I think it a hundred percent does. <clears throat> I think if somebody came out, if this if if the arena's full of a couple of different types of people, if it's if there's a bunch of people like you that are just casual, like as you went going into the show, let's rephrase mm-hmm. it. Cause you're playing you're more than casual now, but, but pre February 18th, David going into that arena born to run is going to get David more excited than thunder road. Mm-hmm. I think now post 2018, I think David's going to be more excited for thunder road.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Well, All right. with song number two.
2: Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and just skip around on the list because I don't want it to just go all chronological. And um, so let's take it – let's go a few steps forward. Oh, here's a good one. I'm going to go with a little bit of a uh, – maybe a little bit of an un- unexpected one. I'm going off of Nebraska, Mansion on the Hill. Okay. I uh, I don't know, man. That, that song just – those three songs – there's there's like three songs in a row on that album that just blow me away. And and I, I literally all were seriously considered for this list. Actually, it's four in a row. Atlantic, I know people love Nebraska, but Atlantic City, Mansion on the Hill, Johnny 99, Highway Patrolman. Um love all those. So going for number three, let's um let's go to the song that I said that I would gonna be a toss up for my favorite Thunder Road Badlands now I will say this about Badlands if all I've ever had is Badlands Studio it's probably not in contention for number one but I can't hear Badlands even a studio version and not think about the live version in my opinion it's the best live song that he plays I can see that and absolutely love that one uh one of my favorites always will be. I will. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Let me. Uh, let me throw you. we will go to a different album. I'll go with. Uh, go with the river. Ties it bind. Opening track. Just a, a straight up rocker. Yeah, another. That's a great one, two, three punch on that album. By the way, Ties it Bind, Sherry Darling, Jackson Cage. Love those. So give me four now.
1: Um let's see, you did Mansion on the Hill, ties that bond bond. Um yeah, we done four. Okay.
2: So um I'm gonna go we'll just go ahead and go to I'm gonna go early. I'm gonna go to the I'm gonna go to uh the first record. And greetings from Asbury Park, Fourth of July, Asbury Park, Sandy. This song is um, one that, you know, I've now been to. Have to think about this because uh, I saw it. I went with you guys. I saw him in New York. I saw Nashville twice. I think that was my fifth. I think I think I've seen him five times, and I've I've never seen him play, Fourth of July. That is probably my number one song to hear that I haven't heard.
1: It's it's really um, one of his first, like, really, it seems like really, really personal narrative songs.
2: Yeah, it, I think that was a good sign of what was to come.
1: All right. So I'm going to start off with Badlands. So that's the first one that we have in common. I just love how this song starts off with, I guess, the, the piano and the glockenspiel. And I just love the tempo of it, and it just tells a great story. And to me, this song could have been on Born to Run thematically. I think it fits with it. The second song is Two Hearts off of the river. I just love this song. It's it's a fast, up-tempo song. I love the harmonies with Van Zant on it. Um, I love when they open that New York concert with uh, a B-side and then go into Two Hearts. I, I just think that's great. Number three, off Nebraska, Atlantic City. Now, for years, I thought Springsteen was covering the band when he did this. I didn't realize that band version came out in 93. Now, um, this week, I am going to be on the Ridiculous Rock Record, Ridiculously, R4 podcast, we'll put it you that way, to talk about Nebraska ridiculous and,
2: rock record reviews yeah
1: anyway Atlantic City is obviously one of the songs on Nebraska it's probably the most famous one on there I don't think it's the best one but it's the most famous one but it's a great story that he tells I love the story about the chicken man getting blown up and you can go online and read about the chicken man but the lyrics to it just really get me about like everything that dies goes away or whatever you think it's bad Anyway, I I can't quote it right off hand but just the desperation in this guy to get out of this life of Rutney and, and, and poverty. And he basically sold his soul to get there, but I love that one. And then number four off darkness, Adam raised a cane, probably his most aggressive, lyrically aggressive and sonically aggressive song in his Canon, uh, the drive by truckers have played this the last two shows I've seen, it, and they play it with a, just a vigor. I know Patterson hood is just a huge uh, fan of darkness on the edge of town. What did Patterson say about darkness? Chris,
2: that record changed my life.
1: <laughs> so uh, I love darkness on the edge of town. And and this is the the second song on there. It's about his relationship with his father. And honestly, a lot of his songs deal around this broken, confused relationship he had with his father and, Uh, It's just, um, uh, you need to go listen to it. And then number five, I'm going back to Nebraska with Highway Patrolman. One of the better storyteller songs that I've ever heard. It's essentially about a police officer who needs to go arrest his brother and doesn't and lets his brother get away, but it tells their backstories in a way that makes you understand uh, how they got there and how things ended. Johnny Cash covered this song like I said it's on Nebraska and from what I understand this was the first take.
2: So that was honestly I think that Highway Patrolman I think was my last cut. That that shows you how close it was to making this cuz I agree with you that song is man it, it it's um kind of kind of haunting and it's um yeah not obviously not doing the right thing but just showing somebody just that won't turn his back on their family uh great great songwriting i love ron adams cover of it too one of the nebraska that he did but uh let's go with um for my next one i'm going to take take one that, that you just named i also have two hearts and then I'm going to go for a next, let's go back, let's go back to Nebraska for a minute and I'll go Johnny 99. I, uh that was one of the early ones for me album wise for Springsteen as far as my fandom, because I was listening to a lot of singer songwriters at the time, people like Ryan Adams and, and I knew that so many people that I Admired us songwriters, thought so much of this record. I knew that it was a a different style than what he had done. I knew that it was supposedly acoustic; that it was um, just completely different. So I just I got this on a whim, and I, it might have been the first thing that I I, I had born in the USA the cassette when I was a kid. I mean, we're talking. I was probably. Five, six years old. But this, I think, was the first one I ever got on, on my own. And Johnny 99, especially for somebody just getting into Springsteen, I think it was a good one. Had a little bit, had, had some rock to it. Uh, acoustic, yeah, but you, you can hear that it is a rock song when you go see him live and he plays it. And he did play that at the show when David and I mm-hmm. saw him. But I think it's a great. But tune. I think
1: I think that live version, the way they play it, almost like a bar band, mm-hmm. uh, kind of loose, rowdy song. I think it takes away from the meaning of the lyrics because I had never heard it before, and I thought it was just kind of like a fun, a fun song. And I remember asking you, "What's this off of?" And you're like, "It's off of Nebraska." And I'm like, "I thought it was all acoustic." And you go listen to the acoustic version. No, there's nothing to celebrate there about it. It's a terrible story.
2: Yeah, that's. He has a way of doing that. <laughs> um, okay. I'll go back to, uh, born to run and let me just go with the song born to run. We already t- talked about that. It's, uh, I mean, it's debatable. What's the greatest rock and roll song of all time, but when, we, when we talk there. about, yeah, when we talk about the great songs, I think it needs to at least be in the conversation. Uh, you got to at least do that. It's, uh, yeah, it's just a it's a perfect rock song and it it's always so fun when he plays this live. Um I will go to Darkness and let me go with the title track, Darkness on the Edge of Town. How many have a how many given you know? I know you're keeping a little bit of count. I'm not. Oh you're not?
1: I'm keeping count of what we have in common.
2: Oh crap. I need to start doing a better job of counting. Hang on one second, I can figure this out.
1: I'm pretty sure you're at like six.
2: Yeah, I've got one. I've got, I've got eleven left on my list. So it means I've got one more to give you. Yeah. Okay. I had to count through it. All right. Um, I'll go another early Springsteen song, off the Wild, the Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle.
1: Oh, no, did Inc- you say yeah. Darkness on the Edge of Town? Yeah. Okay.
2: So off the Wild, the Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle, I'm going Incident on Fifty Seventh Street. Another one I haven't been fortunate enough to hear live. Uh, hopefully, I do get to hear that one. But yeah, always been a huge fan of that one, All and right. really what of his early. Just also was a sign of things to come. You have you have Jungle Land coming soon. You have yeah you have um, you have Thunder Road. I think it was just a. I, I love that one. Always have.
1: All right, let's see. The song that I heard live that I knew nothing about that it made me go, whoa, and it's probably my favorite song, it's Backstreets off Born to Run. That initial piano buildup just makes the hair stand up on my arms. It's a great song about two friends. Uh it's debatable really, really what uh is going on in their lives and who they are, but uh just taken to the back streets and it's just such a awesome awesome song. The next two I picked because we have to pick from the first two albums. I'll admit they really haven't done much to me. They sound too much like Van Morrison and he's too wordy at times, but I'll go with growing up because I like what he said about that on Springsteen on Broadway. And so um, I like the song. It's okay. But then we're going to go to the next album and I'm going to go Rosalita. I do like this song. I think it's a fun song. I know it's one that's real popular with, the fans, and I see why, and I see why they play it a lot. It's fun. It showcases the band. And you have a good time, but we're going to get a little bit serious here. Off of the River, to me, one of the most honest and depressing songs he's ever written was Independence Day. And it was about the relationship with his father and when he finally just had to break away from his father and they just had to go their separate ways. Uh, there's so much about his father plays into so much of his music. And and this one just moves me every time I hear it. The, the tone in his voice, it's just almost, you know, I've given up and I'm moving on. And then of course, got to have Born to Run. You Can't talk Springsteen without without this song. He probably doesn't go anywhere. And uh, we never really know too much about him. So those are my next five.
2: You ever listen to, because I know you're getting into listening to the live shows too, but if you listen to... On the early shows, it's always, you'll find different versions, but it's always pretty much the same story. You ever hear him play it live, play Independence Day and have about the three, four minute talk before yeah. he gets into the song? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that's pretty powerful when he does it. Always talks about his old man being in the kitchen late at night, smoking cigarettes in the dark, then coming home. All right. So for me, I'll go to another one off the river, Sherry Darling. that's a fun song and another one I'd love to see live but that just is a that's just a Springsteen to me just fun lively party song I'm gonna go um, next let's go let's take it back to Born to Run I'm gonna give you a one-two punch off of that one one of them you just talked about which is Backstreets, and I agree the build-up And I love at the end, the end of the song, especially live when they just keep going with it. Mm -hmm. Basing tune. Third one. This is probably one of the songs that really got me hooked to Springsteen because I already gave you a little bit of backstory that I had. I had a born and run or born in the USA as a kid. I got Nebraska. I had a greatest hits that I really didn't listen to that much. One night I'm in New Orleans. And on the jukebox, I, I knew that I'd heard the song before. I, I liked it, but it was relatively new to me. I'd recently heard the song for the first time. I'm in the jukebox, at the jukebox, and they have, it's one of those CD jukeboxes. You put the money in. It's a limited selection. And I thought, yeah, this sounds good. I remember I like this song. And you have, so Jungle Land comes up. On the jukebox, I play it. And I think I fell in love with the song that night. And... I think that with Nebraska started getting me to go down the rabbit hole that you've gone down recently so going to number four in this in this set I'm gonna go with uh let's take it to damn just about all of the rest of them looks like you're gonna be off a uh, dart night just about but I'm gonna go with uh prove it all night another fan favorite another one of my fa- favorites. And then I'll give you another one that's a huge fan favorite off that album, especially live promised land.
1: Uh, I can't argue with any of those. I'm going to say something that's going to get me shot, but, and I understand why people like it. I understand why people like it and they have every right to like it. Jungle land just hasn't connected with me yet. Maybe I'm just trying to take on too much, too fast. I agree that saxophone solo at the end. That's just, I mean, that's like butter. But uh, that and uh, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, uh, did, I'll go ahead and tell you, did not make my list. But my next set was Thunder Road, just like you said, You know, maybe the ultimate Springsteen song. The next one is one that got played when I was there. It's, it's him on the harmonica. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I've come across many more people that can convey emotion on a harmonica as well as he does. Uh, it's just, it. he makes it sound perfect for the right song. But anyway, this is the song, The Promised Land, off of Darkness on the Edge of Town. Uh, this song has a common thread. It's a person that thinks they're defined by their, uh, you know, their situation, and they're trying to work hard and get out of it and get to somewhere else and, you know, and get to the promised land. So I, I really like this song a lot. And then I have Johnny 99. What I'll say about that is, this one is just, uh, uh, it's got a tad bit of humor in it, but at the crux of it, it's a very serious song about a guy that just basically was down on his luck and snapped and killed somebody. And Then I have Darkness on the Edge of Town, one of my favorite album closers of his. I thought that was interesting. It's the title track, but it's the last track on there. And I've said this before. I have a lot of respect for bands that put awesome songs at the very end. And uh, I love the delivery on this one. And then I'm going to go off the river, a song they played when I saw them out in the street. This is clearly one that's a fan favorite. There's a lot of crowd participation and band participation. And I always think it's funny when he brings them up there and he's like, sister Susie, she chimes in. And then every time Lofgren signs in, he can't sing. And it, <laughs> it, it just sounds, it sounds terrible. And of course, you know, well Steven's about a little bit off key when he does his, you know, and then, I was watching, um, um, you know, some old videos and where the big man's like out in the street, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. just real deep. And one of the things that shocked me when I did this list was how many songs I had from the river. Um, I have in the last couple of days, I've been listening to Nebraska a lot for that, um, podcast, but I've been listening a lot to devils and dust, Western stars, and the river and I'm going through with the ties that bind, and I'm making my ultimate river album. And obviously out in the street is going to be on there. It looks like he, it looks like prove it all night. The promised land out in the street, get played a lot regardless of the tour. Am I correct on that? Correct. Yes. All right. So those are my, uh, next group.
2: It's funny when he said Nils, he can't sing. You know, the funny thing is if you listen to Nils, I think he can sing in key. So I think technically he can sing, I but I'm like you, I hate his voice. I hate it. Whereas, whereas Van Zandt is technically not good at all. But,
1: but it works.
2: It does, especially singing with Springsteen. And even some of, some of Van Zandt, Van Zandt's put out some really good tunes. The one that they put out, I think it was the last record. Is, I need to send it to you, David. I think it's called St. Valentine's Day. Great, great song. I mean, really good song,
1: but um. Well, on one of those on one of those live recordings, I was listening to, when it got to Lofgren. He goes instead of saying "out in the street," he goes, "I can't really sing." <laughs> so it's good yeah. that he's in on the joke.
2: All right, so let me go. Uh, you were talking about giving the river giving a lot of river love, so I will go Jackson Cage. It's the last song off the river, and another just really straight up rock song and i think that's the, with the river even though it does have independence day it has the river and it has plenty of other songs that are <clears throat> excuse me a, a little bit down and out the river was a lot more upbeat than what we've had over the past couple of records and jackson cage was definitely a more rock song and those first three songs as i said ties up by sherry Darling, jackson cage incredible one, two, three punch for opener and all just great rock and roll songs and more to come on it. We already talked about, you know, out in the streets, there's two hearts that even hungry heart. It, it, it was just more of a, it wasn't as more much of a down album as say it's predecessor. The,
1: the first part of that double album doesn't have any misses in my opinion.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think I'd have to agree with that myself. I'm going to go with, excuse me, the last one for me off of uh, Born to Run. And I'm curious to see what your opinion is of this, because when you first started listening to Springsteen, first trying to get into him, this is one you said you didn't like. But if you remember, I always said, I loved Knight. And I think Knight, in the past, he has opened shows with Knight.
1: He opened a few on this tour.
2: I think that's – I didn't know that. I think because I haven't been looking at all the set lists because they've pretty much been – they've, for the most part, been the same. Man, he's been not.
1: switching them up a good bit in Europe.
2: Okay. I, I'm going to have to check out the set list because – I'm going to get off topic for just a second. David and I talked about this. I, I told him being <clears> – <throat> David, this being his first show, I told him he missed two things. The first one doesn't matter. That's the switching up the songs night to night. Doesn't matter to David because he doesn't, he's not that familiar with them and he's never heard any of them live, but no big deal. But on this tour, he's been switching very little. He's actually had almost a, I'd say probably 90% of his set list doesn't change, which in the past, probably 50% of it would change night to night. Second being is he doesn't get the crowd participation where he's going and grabbing the signs and taking requests. There were no requests. But But anyway, Night, I just think, is a great opener. I have actually been able to see that one live, just not as an opener because I saw the album in its entirety. But um, great tune. And my last three are all coming off of Darkness on the Edge of Town. I've got, first one I'll give is, is Factory. And I remember when we did that podcast with Aaron for Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews. No, not that one he did one with us and we were talking, we did a Springsteen one and just picking top songs. And I remember he was shot by that and he, that i named that one. Now he did like the song, but he was surprised that I held that one in such high regard, but I do, I love that tune. And then I have something in the night and my last one racing in the street.
1: All right. So night, I think the problem for me is, is the album that it's on. It, it's just so many heavy hitters on that one that I think it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, but it's not a bad song. And then what was your last song? Um, so, no, something in the night, uh, man, there he just kind of pours his heart <laughs> out on that one with, uh, w- with the way he sings. It's really mm-hmm. a believer I had Jackson cage on here and I'm in the part of his book where he's recording the river and he's realizing, Hey, I'm going to have some fun songs and I'm going to have some depressing songs and I'm going to have some like stylistically all over the place, especially if you listen to the ties that Bind box set. And he just kind of came to terms with that. Jackson cage is about Jackson, New Jersey. Um, I can definitely relate to this, a small town. and You don't want to get trapped in it and you want to get out of it. So, um, Obviously I had that on there. The next one I had off of the river is the price you pay. Uh, It's kind of a, more of a piano laden track. I just really love the melody of it and and the tone of voice that um, Springsteen sings, sings in. Now the next one is just a fun rocker and you got to have that. And there's a lot of those on the river, but it's, you can look, but you better not touch. So did Poison steal that one? Uh, maybe just a little bit, but I'll take this version 10 days out of 10 over a uh, poisoned. And then a song initially I didn't like, and I knew Chris loved it. So I kept going, I kept going and it has really come around on me. And that is factory. And, you know, he, obviously he, he's kind of joked about how he sings so much about life in the factory, stuff like that. And he's never even stepped foot in one, which I think is, uh, a little bit of uh self-awareness there, but that song has really grown on me. And uh, you got to think oh, some of the lyrics were at least inspired by his father. And then I closed the album out with what I think is a top five storytelling song from him. And that is the river. And it's about uh, his sister who got pregnant and he's seeing everything through her boyfriend's eyes. Now, they she got pregnant in high school. They're still married. So it ended well. But The River is one of the more powerful tracks. And I remember when Chris was really trying to get me into them several years ago. This was a song that I did fall in love with. And so I've liked The River for a long time. But I was shocked when I did my list of how many songs um that we that, that came from the river. Uh, but it is a double album, but we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. we had eight songs in common. I kind of thought it may have been a little bit more i'm I'm honestly surprised that you don't have the river on yours.
2: look, I like the song I love the song and we're so many of those early records they're like a, the record's almost perfect and and I think that. Yeah, that could easily go on mine. And like I said, most of them, there, there's not a lot of songs I dislike on any of his early stuff. And there's just too much. There's so much to choose from. There's just stuff that I like a little more. I, I, and I, I think it's an incredible song, though. But it, I'm like you. I, I thought that it might be a little bit higher than we had just because it seems like there's so many obvious ones. But then again, I think, I think, I think between the two of us, we we did hit all of the obvious ones.
1: Yeah, the, ex- yeah, yeah. Between the two of us,
2: yeah, I think we hit all of them, and and there's some other ones too that, you know, as I look at this, that would have been some. Like I had one, I'll tell you that made it down to about the top twenty-three. That would really really surprise you. The one that made it the top twenty-three of mine was. Um, off of Greetings. No, I take that back. Not Greetings. Um, The Wild, the Innocent. I have Wild Billy's Circus Story. That almost made it. That's a very, very, very odd one when I'd pull out of left field, but I love that one. Did you count how many you had from each album? No. I did, and I had one from Greetings, one from The Wild, the Innocent, five from Born to Run, Seven from darkness, four from the river, two from Nebraska. So, yeah, seven out of 10 songs off of darkness made my 20. And I made it it very clear that is my favorite album by him.
1: If I had to scratch two, I would have scratched Growing Up and Rosalita. And I probably would have gone, uh, I probably would have gone with She's the One. And uh, probably something in the night. Uh, I, I that's something about that song that moves me. All right. So Springsteen has released The Promise, which is a double album, Tracks, which man is probably a triple or quadruple album, and The Ties That Bind. And these are all songs that they aren't demos, they're songs that are fully realized that he, The, the Promise is songs he left off of darkness ties that bind the songs he left off of uh the river and then the stuff on tracks goes all throughout his career now i will say this this has been the most frustrating part of me getting into everything it's just trying to keep count and keep up with all between those three things that's way over 60 songs um trying to keep up with all of the b-sides and then trying to remember like what period they're in. So what Chris and I thought we would do is we would each list five b-sides that we like. I mean uh, or unreleased tracks whatever you want to call them. And we're going to do this for each show that we're that we're going to do from this
2: time frame.
1: Yeah. So our next show will be from Born in the USA through time, Joe, and then we'll do the Rising through letters to you. So mine, I had a real hard time with, like I was literally changing as I was talking to Chris. So one of the first ones I'm going to go with is loose ends. I like the story or the, the narrative. And I also like the tone of the guitar and everything. There's several songs in that era where he's using the same kind of jangly guitars almost. And I, I, I seem to gravitate toward those songs. So loose ends go give it, listen. And then what could possibly be is probably my second or third favorite of his B sides is my love will not let you down. I first heard this on the live in New York city album and video, which I own. This is what they start the song off with. Now I'll tell you what, this is something he has in, in common with the crows. He's not as scared. He's not scared to play stuff that he's never officially released. And he's not scared to do it at any point in the set. And so It takes guts to do that because obviously most of the crowd is diehards, but you're still, you know, it's your first, I think the first big show back in NYC since they got back with the E Street band and you come out with an unreleased song, lots of guts. All right. The next one racing in the street, 78. How in the world does this not make darkness on the edge of town? This song with the harmonica playing, and the violin hit me as hard as the first time I heard the Pressure Machines albums from the Killer, the Pressure Machine album from The Killers. I mean, it hit me in the gut. I bet I listened to it 10 times in a row. And there's just something about the delivery of the song, especially in that last verse when he ends it, and he says, Racing in the street, but he says it in a much higher register with a little bit of anger behind it. The song is obviously a, a, about a lot more than racing cars, but I, this is the one I would tell you, please, please, please go somewhere and find and listen to it. The next to last one I have is be true. This one has a sound a little bit like loose ends. Like I said, kind of gravitated to that period and that sound. Um, so be true was going to make it. Uh, I almost put, I want to be with you just cause that's kind of a fun rock song. But then the last song is a song that I've really gotten into recently is the promise. If you read the lyrics, I kind of almost think it's, it's aimed at that manager that he had to fight to get away from. Obviously it's the title of this, um, unreleased album, but today those are my five tomorrow. It could be a totally different five.
2: Good picks. And I like, um, the loose ends pit. And one that I have on mine that we do, we do have one similar. And that is my love will not let you down, which is honestly, it's just that, that probably that's one of the most surprising songs that he never put on a record.
1: Now that would have been on born in the USA had he put it on one.
2: Yeah, but we, we went in and Dave and I did, we, we saw the date on this and we saw, I was that told him this would work because it was, it was recorded in 82. Yeah. Time wise, adds But up. I'm
1: just saying, like, I don't. It to me, I don't, it doesn't sound like it would fit in with Born in the USA.
2: You know, probably maybe not. But then again, you have no surrender. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I, I think we just we know what. <laughs> excuse me. We know what the album sounds like, and it's hard to imagine any change to it. Yeah. But. But I just love this song, and it is one that's really, really shocking to me that never did make a – never did make a studio recording. The um, next one I have is going to come off of uh, – this is off prom, The Promise, and that's Rendezvous. Mm-hmm. And
0: that's
2: I've been a fan of this one since – because it was on tracks before he ever released that. And I've always loved this one. It's another one that is like, how did you not put this on a record? And the last three are all river out, you know, B sides of the river. And that is um, Meet Me in the City. Mm-hmm. And then the last two are also right up there. If my love will not let, let me down, or let you down. How did how did these not make a studio recording, a proper studio album? Restless nights, take them as they come. I just think those songs are so good and can compete with so many songs that they that he's he's released on albums. And I guess you have to look at them. Would they have necessarily fit the river? I don't know. I think Restless Knights definitely would have. When you think about Jackson Cage, uh even Meet Me in the City. I think honestly, I think they all fit with the rock of that album. But man, it's just amazing what the guy throws away
1: and Chris this is just a nine year stretch yeah. I, yeah I don't think and we've talked about this i can't think of anybody else that from the beginning to his, to the to where he is right now has put out such few duds of his albums and even the albums that we think are duds you can find three or four good songs on there
2: yeah you can and and we'll talk about it more in the as we go through in these, these upcoming podcasts, but I think that, I think the next one that we do is going to be, I don't know, do we call it the most, the most difficult or the easiest? I'm not sure just because it's it's not going to be, I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to have as many great songs to get through. Let's just put it that way. And I think the majority of them are going to be off of born in the USA and tunnel of love.
1: I think we're going to have a lot more in common.
2: I do too, and I wouldn't be surprised if we each have as many as twelve songs that come from just those two albums, Maybe Yeah. More. Because after that, he—I uh, don't he know—he
1: went, went into the wilderness for a bit.
2: I, I th- yeah, I think the uh, I think Springsteen definitely got off the tracks for a bit, and uh, yeah, when he came when he came back with um, the Rising, it's been. Just a, I don't know, it's a, a second, almost like second strong career of songwriting. I mean, it, it, it it's amazing what he's doing, especially at that age when we talked about it. You know, David and I have talked about this before, and we'll talk about it more coming up. But take the bands that have been going for years. I mean, when's the last time? I mean, be, yeah, there are people that love everything they put out. But if you're being honest with yourself, when's the last time you two put out a great record? And I'm not picking on them, you could name 20 other bands that have had that long of a career. It gets to a point when they put out a new record, you know you're not going to like it, but you have a little bit of hope. And you hope for it. Same thing like if we put on a Wilco record. We'll still listen because we hope we're going we're to like it. But we know we're not.
0: <laughs>
2: we just hope we're going to. And uh, we hope we're going to be surprised. Springsteen, he puts out one. And we're pretty sure we're going to like it especially after the run he's been on.
1: I mean, letter to letter letters to is one of his best albums.
2: It's up there. And you know, it's now been, it's, it could have been one of those ones that when it first came out that I, I was just enjoying a new record by him. But now that it's been out for so long and I still think of it the same way. Yeah. That just tells me I love the album.
1: Every song on there is a seven and above.
2: It's not a dud on there.
1: No, and he plays a lot of them in concert. And one of the things I thought was interesting, the people at the concert though got as excited about those as they did other ones because it was their first time hearing them.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. When you go to a Springsteen show, it's not – like you you mentioned Poison recently, just a few minutes ago. If you go to Poison, you're not going to Poison, and there's just going to be a bunch of diehard Poison fans. It's a bunch of people. Oh yeah, I remember Poison from the '80s. This will be fine. And they're going for a greatest hits show. That's what they're going there for. Seems like most of, spring, most of the people at a spring scene show, as many people as there are, they're there because they want to hear. They want to hear the deep tracks. They want to hear stuff from the new album. They, they would love to hear Factory. No, they're not going for the greatest hits tour.
1: Nope. And Chris, I think we should play it out with "My Love Will Not Let You Down." What do you think?
2: I think that sounds like a like a wonderful choice.
1: So we will play that out, folks. We're going to put these four out quick. We uh, there's not going to be a big lull in between. We're going. I'm going to get to work on my list tonight, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible, as always. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.